You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Gentlemen, start your engines! Triangle Tire, Tires for Life presents Dave's Corner Garage. The following is a paid program. Opinions on the show are always expressed with a certain joie de vivre. Please consult a doctor before listening, as laughter can be infectious. Buckle in, everyone. It's time to get this show on the road. Time for Dave's Corner Garage, your Saturday morning joyride on Zoomer Radio. Got a car query? Call now, 416-360-0740 or toll free at 1-866-740-4740. Yee-haw! Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. This is Dave's Corner Garage. My name is Alan Gelman. Beside me is Brian Masks, the car driver, race car driver. Brian, how are you? I'm great. I was at a car race last week. As, uh, as you know, had a great time in California. Excellent. Watching excellent. watching the sports cars zooming around, and we've got Elliot Silverstein from CAA with us in the studio today. We did, and he brought along a new insurance guidebook that uh, it looks like a coloring book from the offset, so I guess it's going to be pretty easy, big block numbers and letters. Uh, the whole idea is that it's going to make your insurance policy understandable. It's good, like a Insurance 101. Would you call it that, Elliot? Absolutely. Or, or we could call it Insurance for Dummies. How's that? They still make those dummies books? I think they do just about every subject except for Canadian automotive insurance. <laughs> All right. Well, there is one now. Thank you for coming down with it. And uh, in the next segment, we'll be getting to it. We've also got Dan McTague. You know, I, just before we went on the show, anybody said, been to a concert recently? Yes, I saw James Taylor. Guess what he did? You're wondering what the segue is. Up on the roof. Well, that's where gas prices are going, okay? <laughs> They're going true. through the roof. And uh, Dan's going to be talking about perhaps why. Maybe he's got a suggestion on how we can save some money or, or when we should buy gas or when we should hold off on not buying gas. Um, I guess that would be the magic, the magic answer, eh? Well, that's the, the easy way is not buying gas. But, I mean, it's, it's tough, especially, you know, when you've got places to go. I paid six-something a, a gallon in California last weekend. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they said that diesel has been the highest it's ever been. I saw it two and a quarter yesterday. Uh, a liter, yes. A liter, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not, yeah watching, not a gallon. No, I was watching a U.S. one, and they said it was almost $6 a gallon now. And, yeah. And they said, that's why your tomatoes are going to be so expensive. Uh, it's, again, it's, it's, it's going to drive everything. I mean, er, anything that needs to move uh, has, to, has to move with fuel. It really does. And uh, so we've got Dan. We've got also great topics. In fact, Brian just did a review. Uh, is it up now on the Ionic? It is. It's, uh, it's on the YouTube channel. It's on uh, Dave's Corner Garage Facebook page now. And uh, it's a review of the new Hyundai Ionic 5. It's an all-new electric from Hyundai. And, you know, we're kind of wondering, I mean, is electric the way to go? I mean, certainly electricity is cheaper than gasoline, but... Uh, I don't know that they make a lot of $10,000 electric cars. They certainly don't. They're still expensive. (laughs) They are. All right. We're going to talk about that and lots more after the break. We've got about two hours of the show that we've got to cram into one, but I think we can do it. That's why I tend to talk a little bit too quick. This is Dave's Corner Garage. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right. We're back. We're back. We are back. (laughs) Carlos must he usually waves and says, "Hey guys, we're back." But <laughs> I think we're slow to respond today. 
No, no, no. We just have so much to discuss. You That's know, true. Our, our preparation work. That's Hyundai true. Ionic 5. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Brian, you love to drive fast. And, of course, you know, when you do, you also have to make sure that the car can stop fast. Uh, also very important. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you like to do that. And when you find a car that does both, you are in heaven. Unless you're at the Crowbar Hotel because you got pulled over by the OPP, but you would never do that on a public road, correct? No, the fa- you know the fast driving I say for the the racetrack and uh-huh. uh, and you know with with the reviews on on uh, anything I do, whether it's for the magazines I write for or or uh, YouTube, I'm focused on on the human interface and then how it drives, how it responds. And with EVs, we've got a whole new way in which these things respond and the ways that they can be configured to drive. All right, well, here's my first question. In the old days, you know, you either had a four or a six-cylinder or you had an eight-cylinder. You didn't have an option of all three, not in the same vehicle anyways. But it was always a trade-off, okay? You either wanted good fuel economy or you wanted high power. And and you couldn't get both. Mm. But in electrics, that's not the case. It's you know, and, and in this case with this Ionic Five, and and uh, you know, I've always, I've always said that you know, twenty twenty two is going to be the year for EVs, and mm-hmm. the, you know, that's great. They're they're coming, but they're, that's another story. But whether you can get one, but with respect to um, you know, driving these things, they have you know, they have sport modes in them, so they 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 respond a little bit better. Mm-hmm. And with this Ionic Five, that's how I drove the car. So I'd hop in, put it in sport mode, and and then uh, ask it to switch over to basically one pedal operation. Now, okay, question. So I understand you put your foot on the gas to go, and yep. when you take your foot off the gas, it slows. Yes. But how does the braking happen? It's all through the the electric motor. Right. The, the brakes don't apply. So what it does is it goes to the most aggressive um, brake regenerative uh, regenerative mode. Right. And the, and it and in. Normal driving, it'll slow you down just fine. So all you need to do in city driving is use the the pedal. It's it's a bit of an adjustment to do that, uh, but you know th- you, all you need to do is think of that throttle pedal as like a potentiometer. Okay, so now I was on my phone, which I shouldn't have been. And the guy in front of me hits the brakes quick. What yes. do I do? You jump on the brake pedal like you normally do. So it's still got one on the left side. Yes, yes, <laughs> okay. absolutely. There's still two pedals, and and if you do need to jump on the on the brakes and slow the car a little bit faster, you can jump on the brake pedal. Now you you mentioned though that the car learns how you drive, um, and it adapts. Yes. So the Ionic Five, just like uh, the. Um, Genesis pioneered this a little mm-hmm. while ago in in some of their new high end SUVs, uh-huh. and the adaptive cruise control system, that radar based cruise control system, yes. learns how you drive, and instead of it just defaulting to one particular sort of program, it adapts to your driving style, which may or may not be more aggressive. So you, it might pick up the throttle a little bit more aggressively. It might okay. accelerate a little bit more quickly, and it might leave a little bit less space mm-hmm. uh, in, in the, uh, um, to the car in front. So it's, a, it's an interesting thing, but after a while, I don't drive these cars long enough to, right. to really get it to adapt to my driving style. But if you've got one for more than a month, it's going to figure out your driving style. And the, the cool thing is, is that when you're in the car and you do put it on adaptive cruise, you're on a long drive on the highway, mm-hmm. it feels more natural to you. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. So, I mean, and, and do you have to put it into a learning mode? Like you have to press go and now you're going to learn? No. It Not just, at all. It just picks it up automatically. Yeah, yeah. As soon as you put the adaptive cruise control on, it's it's learning all the time. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Now, yes. now my wife's got a newer car. Not like my old beater, but it knows from the key fob who's driving. 
Yes. Does this do it the same way? Uh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. And and this, I mean, the technology in the Ionic 5 goes pretty deep. Mm-hmm. There's, you know, telematics, as they like to call it. So it's it's uh, it can report data. You've got an app on your phone so you can check on how it's charging. You can check where it is. You can um, pre-acclimatize the cabin, whether you want it warm or cool, all these sorts of things. It's, it's, a, it's a very advanced car. All right, right. Now, you brought up a topic, and I'm going to bring Elliot into the conversation quickly because Elliot has a product called My pace that uh of course dave loved and it saved him a whack of money but you have this fringe element of people that think it knows too much okay it, it's reporting back to big brother and i have a concern elliot you know, we've uh, certainly seen a lot of people join in on CA MyPace, and they've mm-hmm. been wanting to understand exactly what's in there. And really, for our product, you know, we, we measure how much you drive. There's the opportunity for people to understand some of the behaviors mm-hmm. um, to help them understand how to be better drivers. But, uh, you know, the data belongs to the consumer, beginning and end. That's uh, where we look at it from. So you're not looking at how close someone's driving. You're not looking at their speed. Um, again, how they drive erratically, things like that. In terms of the rating, it is strictly the the kilometers driven. Everything else is educational for the consumer. And and it can't come back to you. For example, uh, someone has a car accident. Unfortunately, um, the police can't all, all of a sudden grab your MyPace and, and garner data out of it. Can they? Not to my knowledge. Okay, cool. So nothing to worry about. Well, there's you know there's there's something coming down the road in 2025. Uh, cars manufactured for the United States market uh, have to have a kill switch installed. Uh, so well, that, that's well, that's coming. Well, you'd want to see that. I mean, if you're you, you know you people are so scared about having autonomous cars, you're going to want to how do what how do we deal with this? Especially you know the, is it the level five that has no steering or brakes, no no controls. Yeah, so there's those five levels, and and right now we are in level two, which right. is, you know basically cruise control. Uh-huh. And level five, a level five car means it has no steering wheel and no pedals. Mm-hmm. And so we're a long way away from that. We're gonna we're gonna jump straight through level three into level four, where the cars can drive themselves basically on pre-assigned roads and that sort of thing. Well, like going back to your race car, you know, there's always a big E on the car somewhere, so that when Buddy crashes the car, uh, the the grounds crew or the pit crew or the rescue crew can yep. shut that car off. There's always a master electrical switch on race cars, absolutely, and I've had to use that several times following crashes. Now. Question two about the Ionic, um, you know, and, and people looking to buy an electric car to save money, mm-hmm. but the purchase price is kind of steep. This, you know, this is the thing. They're still not inexpensive, and you know, I've been tracking this stuff for years, and you know, several several people in the media have suggested this is the year right. where prices are going to are going to normalize to internal combustion engine cars, and that's still not the case. So this Ionic is is kind of a, a mid sized sort of crossover shape, hatchback shape, mm-hmm. um, still very spacious inside and, and that sort of thing. But I drove the top trim model, which had the biggest battery, all-wheel drive, right. and it was $60,000. Right. So, uh, but I, I, at the same time, but they maintain their value. I think they, well, right now with the strange market, they certainly do. Right. And, you know, the trick is that you're going to want to charge it at home. So you're going to want to spend that $1,000 or whatever it's going to be, 1500 bucks to install a charger at home. So you're charging overnight mm-hmm. at cheaper rates because when you're on the go, like I was, I, I charged at the, you know, the premium uh, charging stations and I'm paying a lot per, per kilowatt hour. Yeah. We talked about that last week, mm-hmm. how there are spots assigned, but it's usually somebody who's not driving an electric car who's in more important and has, <laughs> is busier than you and needs to park there. Right. Um, actually, I did that a couple of weeks ago at Yorkdale. Not, not an electric spot, 
But I, I think I was in the handicap spot, and 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 clearly it wasn't marked properly. But I kept thinking afterwards, is my car going to be there when I go back? <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is Dave's Corner Garage. We're going to be talking to Elliot Silverstein all about his insurance guidebook. He's going to clear things up as as soon as he clears his throat. Elliot, you're going to be all right. Perfect. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. This is Dave's Corner Garage. My name is Alan G. And beside me is Brian Max, race car driver extraordinaire who loves to go fast and loves to stop fast, too, and stay off uh, public roads when he's doing that. And we've got Elliot Applebaum here. Sorry, Elliot Silverstein. Good morning. I do have an Elliot Applebaum who's a customer of mine, and I, that, that's the connection I have to remember. Uh, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me here today. You're very welcome. You're very welcome. I mean, just like people don't understand their cars, and being a mechanic, I can tell you, uh, what uh, my back windows don't work because why? It's because there's a button you pressed by accident. Okay, um, people don't understand their insurance, and when they do finally understand it, it's usually too late, right? Yeah, you know what? I think a lot of people, there's a lot of frustration about how much they're paying for insurance. They they don't necessarily understand what goes into their insurance. And they only really think about it when they get their renewal. But right. at that point, they're so busy, they just simply roll over another year and then have the frustrations. And we're looking at a solution on how to make that easier for people. Well, I'm sure most people think that, you know, aren't they all the same? And and that's not the case. It's not the case. I mean, every insurance company has different characteristics to it. Some are better than others. Some focus on certain areas as opposed to others. Um, it's important to shop around. It's important to talk to an agent or, or, or broker, um, talk to insurance experts. But what we've really tried to do mm-hmm. is help empower people to have those better conversations. Because, you know, even talking to an agent and broker, if you don't have some of the basic information, you can't have that really informed conversation. Well, you may not even know what questions to ask. Exactly. You know, the characteristics, um, knowing what you're paying for. Maybe you need more of something or less of something else. Um, and you're paying for something you don't necessarily need. Right. As a matter of fact, we had Amy Bradley on from uh, Wayfair and, you know, talked about having all of a sudden adding a travel trailer to it um, and not knowing whether you needed insurance coverage or not, you know, but obviously you do. And like you say, maybe in this case, you're paying for insurance and, and you're not getting coverage. Yeah, and, and I think, you know, too often we have a situation that people realize that they either have too much or, or too little when they have to make a claim. And you don't want to have that situation where you think you're, you're covered for something and then realize that you're not. And, and really what we've tried to, to do here, and this has been a, a project we've worked on for many years, is, is to, to provide a, a very simplified guide mm-hmm. to help people understand some of the basic uh, uh, terminology, but also what to do. Because this is not meant to replace an agent or broker. It is meant to really go forward and help people have that proper conversation so that when it comes to the choices you have out there from various insurance companies, you make the right choice, not just on cost. Right. And, and I find that in a lot of cases, people think their broker will be the one to help them for, with everything. But in a lot of cases, the broker goes, well, I don't know. you got to speak to the company. Like they're, <laughs> they're only, Their big concern is you paying on time. And, and when you actually have an issue, they're going, well... I'd love to help you, but it's not really my responsibility. And, and brokers are well-versed, but brokers, you know, they'll, they'll focus on certain companies and not others, and they'll have certain products available to them. But this is also, you know, where, where it's, it's, it's the consumer coming forward and saying, you know, I want this, or I need this, um, or, or, or I, I need to focus on this, um, and really trying to understand what's out there. You know, maybe it's a family situation where you have children that are driving. Maybe you have situations where you have multiple cars. Like, really trying to understand the behaviors, the, 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 the personal structures, because, you know, insurance is, is, is very complex, um, but everybody's situations are different. 
Exactly. And, uh, I mean, this insurance booklet here, it goes back to basics, explains how automotive insurance works in Ontario. I guess it's different from province to province? It is different from province to province. Our... our um our insurance guidebook has launched for Ontario right now. We're mm-hmm. focusing on that market right now. There's right. Uh, a lot of opportunity there. So really what we've done is we've taken a lot of the terminology, um, but also provided some of the, the characteristics. So, you know, what to do in an accident, some of the things that you need to be aware of. Because again, you know, you, you look at insurance from start to finish. People want insurance companies to help educate because, we you know, we've done our research mm-hmm. and the public has told us very clearly they expect insurance companies to provide this level of education, but right now nobody's doing it. So we're, we're taking it forward, and this is not just for CA insurance customers. This is for any driver in Ontario. This is a very generic document that you can use to shop around for insurance wherever you're looking. Right. That, that's exactly what I thought. I mean, I, I read this the guidebook earlier this week, and it's it's not just for CAA customers. It's a it's a great sort of primer or reminder of what your auto insurance policy is about. And you know, even for me, I mean, I've had insurance the same insurance policy for over thirty years for my cars. And you know, it's 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 time to look at different coverages because the nature of my driving has changed, and and the the way we use our family cars. So you know, it's it's a great opportunity for me to look at this. And you know, in the last couple of years, people are driving differently. And you know, now of course we've got fuel prices going through the roof. And that you know, I spoke to somebody the other day at the dog park, and he said, you know, it's finally making a change. It's making a dent in my budget. I got to change my driving habits. Now, we're going to get back after the break and talk about that. You know, people are looking to save money now because they haven't got a whole lot. A lot of people have been laid off. And we're going to talk about whether insurance is a good way to try to save money. I don't think so. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. Well, sometimes it feels like it work 24-7. You know, your brain sort of gets in a certain mode. I mean, you're probably thinking about cars... Most of the time, eh? All the, all the time, unfortunately. You know, whether I've got stories to write, videos to edit, uh, episodes to shoot, exactly, uh, or or just simply evaluating a car, I'm like I'm 24 seven with cars, unfortunately. Right, and the good thing is though, uh, you can write an email or or or, or you know send a text anytime, mm-hmm. and the phone doesn't have to be answered necessarily. That's right. There you go. All right, we're talking about insurance. What you need to know, Brian. <laughs> We were talking before the the show. I've got a I've got a car at home that uh, I really don't use. Right now, it is sitting for three weeks straight. Mm-hmm. And uh, Elliot, you've got a you've got a product that might make sense for that kind of usage. This car, it it if I drive it at most, it's three times a month at at the most. And in this case, it's sitting for the most of the month of May. So, how can how can you guys help me? So we have a, a product that launched about four years ago. It's called CA MyPace, and it's a it's Canada's first and only payment program for auto insurance. So you know you're charged in every one thousand kilometer increments. So in in your case, if you're driving only a couple of times a month, um, you may be paying maybe one or two times a year because you'll be renewed at one thousand kilometers. So um, you will still have full coverage as you would have in any other auto insurance policy while your vehicle is sitting idle, so that you're not paying. The 12 months that you typically would with other insurance products, um, but have the comfort of knowing that you're fully covered. So we've got full coverage while this thing is sitting in a parking lot, not at my house, but somewhere else. It's covered for theft and damage and all that stuff, even though I'm not using it and I'm not paying a, a flat monthly rate. That's right. It's, it's based on the kilometers you drive. So if you decide to get in the car and, and you know drive for 100 kilometers, it'll it'll add on to the roster. And as you get towards the 750 kilometer mark, you'll get the notification you're going to be charged again soon. Um, you pay your annual fee. Um, but people have saved in excess of 50% a, uh, a year because, uh, as you said earlier, people are driving differently and they're still driving differently. 
Oh, there's no question. Like, like we said before the break, people are, are starting to adjust their driving now. So they're, they're going to start driving less simply based on the cost of fuel. And, and I think we're going to see a lot more of that. Now, I have a question. How how do you track that 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 driving usage of that a vehicle under that policy? So the CA MyPace uh, program, what it does is you receive a, uh, a dongle, you, you put it into your onboard dash, you install that, um, and it, it will track the kilometers and it will send it in. You, uh, consumers can have uh, an app on their phones and they can monitor, they can check on their website. Uh, CA receives the information and then automatically at 750 kilometers, you get a notification. Closer to around 900 or 950, you're going to get that notification you're about to be billed. Mm-hmm. And then it rolls over at 1,000 kilometers. If you hit the maximum of 12,000 kilometers a year, you basically pay the equivalent of what you pay for an annual uh, insurance policy. That's that's not bad at all. All right. just So not everybody's a techie who's listening to our show, guys. Okay. And, and dongle may sound like a rude word, but... It actually is just a little square device that you plug into the car's uh, onboard computer spot. Um, and if you don't know how to do it, you can certainly Google it. Um, I'm sure there's something on YouTube. Or just go down to your local garage. We've been using these onboard diagnostic plugs for years. Everybody knows where to find it and where to plug it in. It's a no-brainer. And, and they're in every car since, what, 1995, I think? Yes, since on, yes exactly. Long, long time. Uh, the rule is, I mean, it's supposed to be within reach of anywhere in the driver's seat. But uh, sometimes you need to get on your knees. You need to get a light. Um, actually, you remember on Volkswagen, you had to pull out the ashtray. It was actually behind the ashtray. You know that thing that says not for cigarettes? Well, right. right, yes. It's coins now, but that was an ashtray. And uh, the best was when a coin would go into the lighter socket and then blow everything up. <laughs> um, you know, the book is great, and it, it explains to people really – Who's on whose side, you know, because a lot of times people assume, I, I know I did too, that insurance companies was out to look out for my well-being. And, and in a lot of cases, it's a business and they're looking out for their own well-being, um, especially in a case of, you know, cars get written off all the time. Um, can you explain that for us? Well, I mean, you know, again. You know, people have uh, different experiences with insurance. I think, you know, what we've seen and, and some of our research has shown is that people really have a better appreciation and understanding of auto insurance once they've made a claim. Because right. a lot of times people are saying, I'm paying a ton of money, and what am I getting for it? And then once you've actually made a claim, you get a real experience in understanding what companies are giving you. Is it, is it the tender, love, and care that you're looking for? Is it a negative experience? And that and that sometimes also factors into wanting uh, people wanting to shop around mm-hmm. because they had a negative experience. And I, I think that's the challenge is because you know people are making claims, um, but some companies uh, take great pride in their customer service, right. and, that, and that's what leads to the retention. But yeah. at the same time, people think that there's a there's a uh, you know the insurance companies. Um, you know, you shouldn't shop around, in fact, because you've dealt with them for so long, they love you. And that's not necessarily the case. It, well, I think in some cases it is. I mean, I had a, I had a recent experience. I'm well, like, they love you provided you keep paying. Yeah, as long as you keep yeah, paying, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I've had the same same basic policy uh, for, for, I think, 30 years uh-huh. or so. And, uh, and, and uh, I had an instance of a claim where they wanted to write off the car. And, you know, me being me, I know I, know I can neg- negotiate. I'm not, right. gonna, I'm not just going to roll over it and, and, and take their first offer. And I, and I told the, the adjuster, and he said to me, he wanted to write off the car. I said, no, no sir, what you're going to do is you're going to go back and you're going to look at, at, uh, at my policy. And then you're going to call me back and you're going to say, we're going to fix the car. Because I wanted to keep that car. That was a car I did not want to write off. And, you know, that, that's, a, that's a lesson in you can negotiate with your insurance company. Right. I mean, people don't even not even realize that is an option. Mm-hmm. Their assumption was this is what they called and told me they were paying me. 
I didn't know that it was like I'm negotiating for a new or used car or something like that where I could come back and say, not acceptable, I need more money. And then, in fact, develop your case, which I think the booklet shows people. Um, there's also in there a whole section on at-fault and no-fault explanations, eh? Yeah, again, you know, really a lot of people, they hear these terminologies, they understand, you know, they hear what's going on in the news and what people are talking about, their experiences, um, but people don't necessarily have that that understanding and, and you know, what is what falls under each category. And, and, you know, again, going back to it, this is the opportunity where people are looking at what coverages are in there. It allows you to call an agent from a particular insurance company or a broker who has multiple different uh, companies they work with and get the best possible package for you um, based on your personal situation. You may have a driving history where you've had at-fault collisions and you may be at a higher risk or a higher payment and you want to make sure because shopping around, I mean, you lose nothing by trying because right. people are paying a lot of money. You may shop around and say, you know what, I am getting the best value for my dollar and coverages or maybe, you know what, I'm paying a lot of money but there's something that is as good or better for less money. And that's what we want to try and do is help people, especially, you know, to the point around gas prices, ways to save money. A couple hundred dollars back in your pocket pays for a couple of Phillips these days. Right. I mean, I, we have a situation where cars are, lots of cars are needing brake jobs right now because of COVID, where vehicles were sitting for extended period of time. They get rusted, they get corroded. And, you know, you have to call them back and say it's $800,000 for brakes. And they go, isn't there cheaper brakes out there? Um, well, yes, but I don't know that brakes are something that you want to try to save money on. It could be the same thing with the insurance. You know, do you necessarily want the cheapest one? You know, it, it's it's this big perception that, that the least amount of money is going to get you what you want. I mean, sometimes you get what you pay for. So, I mean, you really want to dig into the details and see what's out there. Because, um, you know, again, paying the least amount may not get you everything you need. So you may find out later on. And unfortunately, too often people find out once they have to make a claim, they didn't have what they thought. So, you know what? It's shop around. Look at it. Maybe it's the second lowest price, but it gives you the most amount of coverage. Because you need to make sure it suits your particular lifestyle and your needs. And where do I get the booklet? You go to caainsurancecompany.com or visit a CAA store in uh, Southern Ontario. And you don't even have to have an insurance uh, CAA membership to get it. Nope. Right. It's available to anybody. Yeah. It's And, and I, I think we all highly recommend this to anybody. And it's, it's a great primer on, on car insurance in Ontario. That's great information. Exactly. And it's not necessarily pointing at CAA specifically. Um, it, you know, maybe you do have the best coverage, whatever, but... Uh, it's independent, right? And then it, it's going to give you the, all the truthful information you need. It is independent. It really is, you know, for us to look at it as 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 advocates for consumers. Mm -hmm. We're really saying that, you know, people are saying they don't understand. And we're looking at it as a solution and saying, you know, here's some information for you to understand to get back to basics. And that's really been the focus that we've taken to get back to basics and, and give people that information so they have that better conversation. And hopefully we hear stories down the road. They've saved $500, $1,000 because they've been able to get the best package for themselves. Right, exactly. And especially, you know, as people are staying home more, they're not traveling as much as they need to. Uh, my pace is a great package. You have other insurance as well there, correct? We have all types of insurance. You know, we have we have different types of auto insurance. We have the uh, we ha we have we have uh, another type of uh, diagnostic as well. We have our home insurance and so forth. We have other types of insurance that are out there. You can bundle them as well. Again, looking at caainsurancecompany.com is where you can find all that information. You can speak to a broker or agent anywhere in Ontario to uh, to get a quote on on all that information.
And uh, usually it's a little bit more attractive if you bundle, correct? It is because you have an opportunity to save some money. So again, if you're a CAA member, you get some additional pieces there, but also some of the other benefits that we've seen over the years. Having four matching winter tires will also get you some savings on your auto insurance. Um, all these things add up because again, insurance costs are high. You know, we we hear about it all the time with, with government that people are paying a lot of money. But, you know, again, there's ways to, to, to look at it strategically and say, here are ways to save, you know, 5% here, 5% there. And suddenly you're paying less than, than you could if you hadn't asked the questions or spoken up. Uh, yeah, it was a place around the corner. Uh, Mr. Combo was called, you know. If you took Mr. Combo, save lots of money, include free drink. That's the best offer. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 not the big one. Uh, the middle one is a good price. Okay. Yeah, you, you take the cheeseburger, you get the fries. Right. And, uh, included the drink, okay? Good deal. We put lots of ice, though. Oh, uh, right. I'd like yes. to keep it cold. All right. <laughs> Thank you very much, Elliot. Again, where do people get the book? So go to caainsurancecompany.com or visit a uh, CA store in uh, Southern Ontario. Excellent. After the break, we're going to talk about saving gas. Well, saving gas? Well, we could. We could talk about it. We're going to talk about gas prices, though. That's, gas? that's what we're talking about. Right. Dan's going to have the magic information that's going to save us billions of dollars. Hope so. I hope Dan can live up to that. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back. How many wins did she get? A million? 23 game streak. And over half a million dollars. No kidding. Look way easier than fixing cars for a living, I'll tell you. <laughs> I bet. And you may think, what the heck is Alan talking about? Well, one of the answers to the question last night was Dine and Dash, which related me back to Phil, Phil and Flea. Yes. Apparently, Phil and Flea is becoming a new thing. Dan, how are you? He's a good friend of mine. Not sure about uh, his pal Flea, though. <laughs> apparently a big issue people filling up and taking off yeah they uh you can imagine i mean it's uh getting to the point where a fill up on your 50 liter uh it's going to now cost you 100 bucks uh so you're going to drop a brown note every time you do these things there's like something else you might be dropping because this is getting uh, really out of hand and so hey uh gasoline may be one thing diesel's another but uh, get ready for even higher prices so 199.9 more not two or 209 or 200.9, mm-hmm. as uh, someone out there is trying to uh, promote. Um, it's really coming down to a uh, question of affordability for a lot of people. And I don't see any end to this, Brian. And I certainly, uh, you know, in terms of where we're heading on this, Alan, um, sky's the limit, maybe 225 by the time we get to uh, the mid parts of summer. Wow, that's crazy. Well, um, and, and what, we've got an election coming up. Does the provincial election going to affect gas prices? Not a lot. This is a federal issue, um, and uh, without sounding partisan, uh, mm-hmm. look, uh, Canada could uh, could crank up uh, 10 million barrels of oil within a very short period of time if it had to. It just doesn't have pipelines. And uh, when you kill two pipelines, Energy East, Northern Gateway, uh, you fool around with the Trans Mountain Pipeline with activists, you wind up uh, not being able to displace uh, the blackmail that uh, Putin is uh, using to keep Europe over a barrel and while attacking Ukraine. And I, I don't mean to, you know, to, to be pointed about it, but at the same time, you know, Canada is the solution to the world. We need to produce more energy and we need to produce it by getting more pipelines built instead of this sort of, oh, we're going to cut pipelines, we're going to do all sorts of wonderful things while the rest of the world's scratching their head saying, what's wrong with Canada? you got the third largest reserves in the world behind two other Notable, wonderful human rights and uh, you know environmental uh, giants, uh, Saudi Arabia and uh, and Venezuela. 
Well, the, you know, this is the thing, Dan, and, and as I understand it, I mean, not only would oil production benefit the Canadian economy, but we we extract that oil and produce it in a, on a very clean basis relative to to other countries. Is that right? It's very right. And I look, I don't like this industry. They don't like me, and they hate my guts when I predict gas prices a few days before. Glad to see others are joining. But look, uh, it's time Canadians recognize they've got a good thing going here. And when it came to clean energy, it's uh, it's not something we do because of the rest of the world or a few uh, you know talking heads think it's cool. We did nuclear 50 years ago. We did uh, clean uh, hydro 100 years ago. We used Tesla's first uh, you know test models for uh, for for hydro delivery and production. It was uh, it was Canada. So I think what we have to recognize here is that uh, we've got a global crisis. Uh, not a, 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 a we don't have an energy. Uh, sorry, we don't have a. An environmental crisis. We have an energy crisis, and it's now giving rise to a security crisis. I don't want Vladimir Putin using oil that we could produce to hold the world at bay, and that's exactly what he's doing right now, uh, and with his bloody attacks in, uh, in in Ukraine today. Canadians need to really wake up on this, guys. What can we do? I think we have to make a declaration right now that we stop the carbon taxes, twelve point five cents a liter. It's not going to make a, a whit of difference whether we do or whether we don't. That'll give some relief to Canadians. That's a federal decision. Second, we need to rebate some of that HST GST money the federal government is collecting along with the provincial government. I think Ford's probably going to tap into that because he's making it more money now, assuming he's still premier. The final thing, we need to have a declaration that by hook or by crook, we're going to build pipelines in this country. People can have their day in court, but once those days are over and uh, once the courts of this, the highest courts of this land have said yes, you can't stand in the way, you can't protest, or you go to jail. Because the interests of the world, the interests of the country, and the interests of many of those people who I, I consider my friends, of which I am, par- you know, I have lineage, uh, indigenous people, um, part of my family is Métis. Uh, you know, those folks who overwhelmingly want those resources extracted and they want them to be used purposefully and to, to, and to be able to benefit from them. Uh, I think it's time that we start listening to the majority of Canadians and that we understand Canada is a plays a critical world uh, role in the world today. A world that's not going to get rid of fossil fuels overnight. It's not going to get, and it's not going to go in our generation. So, I think we need to get used to it. This is really a wake up call. Canada's the solution, and goodness knows if we built a couple of pipelines, my goodness, uh, the uh, value of the Canadian dollar would soar. Uh, we'd save thirty cents a liter because that's the cost of the discount, not having the petrodollar anymore. We'd also see oil drop, maybe 20 to 30 bucks a barrel, and that would be a, a good thing for preventing a global recession. So that'd be another 20 cents for Canadians, drop the carbon tax, another 12, on 30, 30, 20. So let's say about 65 cents a litre. I think you and I probably would be having this discussion if it was a buck 35 a litre today. But question, I mean, you know, it, it takes time, obviously, to build a pipeline or to finish what they've already started. But, but the manufacturers are already talking about dropping ICE, you know, internal combustion engines, Within the next five years, like, won't it take longer to build a pipeline? Sure. Uh, well, yeah. It's going to, <laughs> how long are those vehicles going to stay on the road? But uh, how many of those are going to be built without subsidies? How many of those uh, are prepared to go ahead and do these things? Uh, it's almost everyone's looking at each other, saying, uh, "You know, we've got to move ahead." But we, what we're moving towards is less affordable. It's less scalable, and it sure as hell is less reliable. Guys, we talked about my Ford Escape uh, and uh, uh, having a hybrid engine. I'm, in the summer, uh, in the winter, I get crappy mileage out of that thing. The battery doesn't work well in Canadian winters. But that aside, I think what we need to look at is uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of technology has been advanced. My old company I work for, Toyota, uh, is not interested in going down the electrical road, saving except where they have to under CAFE standards. They think hydrogen is a future. We need more natural gas, more pipelines to do that. And on that score, even if that's the new energy of the future, 
I think uh, the fact that we're allowing certain people in this country to block pipelines when everything has been approved by everyone, you've got a handful of people that are funded by international organizations out to do miscreancy, those people should be put in jail. They should not be given an opportunity to uh, to ruin the aspirations of so many, of the, the vast majority, and more importantly, help vandalize the Canadian economy by driving these prices up to un, un, untenable levels. And Mr. Putin is a happy one in all this. Question. Um, when they pump oil out of the ground, what percentage of it ends up being gasoline? Uh, probably about 25%. So in other words, 75% is being used for other stuff, whether it's plastics yeah. or things yeah, like that? Yeah, exactly. Ethane, diesel, um, take home heating fuel, jet fuel. Look at jet fuel. My God, Alan, look at the price of uh, 7 bucks a, a gallon shot up from 3 and a half. Natural gas. Look at our natural gas price. This time last year it was 280 a, a U.S. Uh, an MBTU now what eight bucks eight eight fifty? Look, we have a we have an energy crisis. We're the solution, and uh, we don't want to step up to the plate. Um, we need to give ourselves a good jolt, and I think the two dollar liter gasoline that we're going to see later this week uh, should start to do that. If not, then watch the food prices for those who think they because they don't drive, uh, they're immune from this. The price of everything is going to the roof and has a lot to do with compromising our energy affordability. Yeah, you know, i got to thank you because I didn't realize that number was as small as it was. In other words, you know, uh, uh, where we still need petrochemicals for 75%. Yeah. I thought yep. it was way more than that. But uh, thank you. You every vehicle in the world and you'll drop uh, consumption 6%. Yeah. That's it. Wow. You still need oil. Affordableenergy.ca. Thank you very much, Dan. Have yourself a great weekend. Hey, guys. Have a great one. Thanks for having me. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. All right, this is Dave's Corner Garage, and uh, that was pretty interesting. Tried to save some money. Um, I always learn something when Dan's on the show. Yeah, he's really an informative guy. knows lots about it. This is Dave's Corner Garage. We'll be right back after. Well, so, you know, you're looking to move, but you you want an older building where it's going to have big rooms instead of a little tiny one where you have to buy condo-sized furniture. Yes, I never the, realized what that was. Yeah, these closet-sized condos they like building in the city. Well, and of course, the other downside is the fact that the older buildings have no electrical outlets. So what do we do if we buy electric cars? That, that's that's the challenge. And, and you know, so I've, I've been in some situations and learned from friends where the, the condo building will not install a charger. I have a question. You said in your article on the Ionic 5 mm-hmm. that it was important that uh, uh, an electric car looked like an electric car. Yes. What do you mean by that? Well, you know, this is the thing. This is one of the reasons why Tesla is so successful. Everybody knows what a Tesla looks like. It doesn't look like an internal combustion engine car. So there's there's a bit of that because some EV buyers want to show the world that they're saving the planet. Right, and, 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 you know, when you watch these older movies, you know, you always see cars from California. People are, are they're all old green people driving Priuses, right? It's um, true. Well, so that was a normal-looking car. But now I'm looking at Teslas, and correct me if I'm wrong, but maybe it's what you say. I'm looking at them going, that body style now has been around for 10 years at least. And it's getting stale. It, it sure is. From a design standpoint, in the in the bigger from a bigger automotive perspective, the design certainly is stale. And you know, there's from my perspective, maybe there's no reason to change it because everybody knows what a Tesla looks like. Yeah, but people, I've asked people why they brought certain cars, and they said they liked the color, um, mm-hmm. or they liked how it looked. Um, yep. So that's a certain segment of the population. It, it is, it is, and and uh, you know, on the on the other hand, there there are plenty more EVs coming. There there's certainly plenty to choose from that look like a conventional car. 
Now, I thought that article was pretty hot looking, actually. I thought it was great. To me, yeah, it wouldn't have struck me as an electric car. No, and, and, and it, it harkens back to the, the designs, those, those elegant city car designs of the late 80s, early 90s, like mm-hmm. a, a second-generation Volkswagen Golf. That, mm-hmm. To me, it had that same, those same proportions, but in, with, uh, with a 2022 model year car, those, those lines are a little crisper, and mm-hmm. they can do funny things and make the, the headlamps and tail lamps look more attractive, but it looks like a hatchback. I, I hope I don't catch you off guard, Elliot. I just wondered, though, because of the insurance guidebook here, uh, electric vehicles, are they more or less to insure? Do you know? You know, it really, it's, it's, t- it's, it's, I don't think there's much of a difference in that. I think it really comes down to, you know, where you are and some of the other factors, you know, you know, your driving record, those, those pieces. Uh-huh. I think, you know, we're going to be seeing a lot more of the electric vehicles on the market. I think, you know, um, you know, companies are, are getting ready for that because, um, it is in many cases the way of the future. And, uh, um, you know, again, you know, it, it's as as was being said, like the costs are high. So, um, you know, I think companies are seeing a lot more of the uh, the EVs on the market now. Yeah, and part of the problem too is that uh, we were talking earlier about vehicles getting written off. Uh, I think with an electric vehicle, it's even going to see more cars because. They haven't really figured out how to fix these properly as of yet. Yeah, you damage the battery pack and the and the, the car's written off. On the other hand, just from a general standpoint, I think they're probably, especially today, they're a little more difficult to steal because they're they're connected. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another, actually, area that uh, if we had time, we'd talk about today. Apparently, charging stations can be hacked. Oh, that's a new one for me. I'm not surprised, <laughs> though. <laughs> any any computer system can be hacked, of course. Right, and, and, and in fact, in the, in the for example... You're Amazon, and you've got 50 electric vehicles that have to be parked in at night. Uh, somebody hacks in and says, no, 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 no. Unless you pay us our extortion money, we're not going to let you get any electricity. That's right. So if you're a hacker out there, you're looking for something new to do, there's a project for you. Exactly. I want to thank our guests, of course. I want to thank Elliot for coming in from CAA. Great products. Great people there. You have actual people standing by if people want to call, correct? We certainly do. Your call is important. Do not hang up. (laughs) And the insurance guidebook, again, if people want to get it, where do they find it? All you have to do is go online to caainsurancecompany.com or visit your local CAA store to get a a hard copy yourself. And whether you've retired or not, just not driving a lot, why pay for something you don't need? MyPay is great policy. Absolutely. caamypace.com for more information on that. Great, and want to thank Dan McTague, of course, for calling in. Um, they're going to build pipelines. Apparently, that'll that'll rescue us. I, well, I think you know that it's a good story. If we build pipelines, we've got you know responsible energy production. We've got it's you know it's as green as it's going to get, mm-hmm. and uh, you know we're Canada's in a position to to solve some of the world's major problems right now. Well, right, and if we've got the uh, the natural resources, why not sell them? I mean, if you can you know bring them in cleanly. Um, the money will go back to people who need it, which would be nice, okay? And I didn't realize myself. It's always uh, interesting when Dan comes on. I didn't realize that 75% of the that, that, that oil that comes out of the ground is not for gasoline at all, but for... For other uses. Other uses, yeah. 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 It's, uh, I, I learned something new. Yeah. And Carlos, thank you very much for keeping the wheels on the bus. The wheels on the bus go around the round. we got to run. <laughs> and uh, thank you very much. Make sure you tune in next week for another edition of... Dave's Corner Garage, where it's going to be rock and rolling cars. Have fun. Drive safe. Bye-bye.
This has been an exclusive podcast of Dave's Corner Garage. Heard every Saturday morning from 10 to 11 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM 740.